Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. It's a beautiful day. It's a hot day in Caledonia, Mississippi. And I have uh, a brand new podcast in the area. Ten episodes deep now. Is that real? That's yes, right. Sir. Nights at the Dad Table. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. So I have Cameron Allen. How you doing? Very close. Last name to my heart. <laughs> People and named Allen are my favorite. Colton Montgomery. How you doing, man? Cannot complain. It's good to be here with you boys. Uh, tuned into a couple of your episodes. Really enjoyed the content. Thank nice you, to sit down with you today. So, why start a podcast? Hmm, that's a very good question, um, Colton. I think that really what kind of we wanted to do when we started it, we kind of felt like we got a group of guys. We kind of just wanted to capture what we kind of naturally have, some of the conversations yeah. and some of the perspectives and things like that and some of the... Um, and kind of just what we do, what we do naturally. Some of the conversations we have, we felt like we had perspective, and we just kind of wanted to wanted to share it. And no matter if fifteen people heard it or a hundred people, you know, that's right. So. Around 2020, 2021, it was like I had a birthday get together at a birthday dinner, and I invited all my friends from like three different groups. And we all just kind of conjoined. And after that, it was like we should start a podcast. We've been talking about it and talking about it. We finally just did it. I think that's something that with any group of guys, it's always natural at some point, hey, we should start a podcast. But In this day and age, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I started Porch Talk, dude, I, I, I wasn't even listening to podcasts at the time. I, I really wasn't sure what one was. Mm-hmm. Like I had seen like clips on YouTube of Joe Rogan, but when I had moved back uh, to North Alabama, North Mississippi from Mobile, I was hanging out with old friends and like kind of like what you said Colton was I thought we had some perspective and I thought we had some ends and whether once again if it was 10 or 100 or whatever that number is it's like people may be into this yeah you know I mean I felt like like he said you know the stuff we talk about it just perspectives we had ways certain friends would word things and say things it would just I feel like this could be entertaining yeah for other yeah because i know like i look at <clears throat> from the perspective of like when i'm listening to one whether it be a group of people getting into some deeper conversation or whether it be guys laughing talking cutting up it's just a it's entertaining and we're like hey we could do this let's give it a shot you know and i think just getting the ball rolling on it at first was the hardest thing you know getting um kind of just getting getting everything together from a mm-hmm. production standpoint. But. Getting everybody together, which we still haven't had every friend on, but we're working on it. Working on it. We've been doing it since uh, since April when we started doing it, and we just recorded episode number 10. I feel like I feel like our 10th episode, I feel like is overall, is overall our best one. Yeah, I'd agree. Kind of starting to hit our stride with it a little bit. It took me a long time. Uh, I think I recorded 10 or 15 episodes of, porch talk before the first one came out and when i was going through it like we were sitting on a porch Mm -hmm. and i had you know close friends and we were doing what we're doing right now but like it it just it it was not the caliber of what i thought it should be yeah i definitely um, understand that and and since then i've and i hate it dude because i mean a lot goes into it like if you're gonna sit down and plan okay well maybe people have to drive there and then people are given an hour two three hours of their time 
and it sucks when you get done and be like it's not good so yeah. it's not Aaron sorry yeah it was just a good time at this point I mean I've had that experience with recording some of my music you probably have too where you know, yeah you know, and then it's like you have this song that you're so proud of and it's like this does not do justice to that song whatsoever absolutely we've kind of let it let it rip with we haven't thrown anything away and I think the reason that is is because sometimes you know even though we these are conversations that on the podcast that we were already having in real life it you know some people are a little bit intimidated by the microphone and get in front absolutely of yeah and so that was a big problem at first and you know a lot of people that I had originally casted to be on the show I've never came on the show wow I've they were on those episodes that were recorded that were not used, and when it actually came out, like that little red light and that microphone just got to them to where they just weren't the same as they were naturally talking. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can, I can see that too. Luckily, for our po- little podcast, you know, we've all the people we've had on have been really open about just being themselves, and we were talking earlier about you know not having video. I think that's a big reason for that. I mean, we're just chilling. We're that's just a brand new animal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, I think it. Yeah. I, I had to. I had to get used to it. Like uh, I've done a couple of episodes where there's Zoom calls, or maybe even like we had somebody that could do video. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm over, you know, 500 episodes now, and I'm still a little self-conscious when it gets comes to a video. Yes, sir. And because I mean, not only then are you are you thinking about like what you're saying, but it's also. What about my seating posture? Like exactly, yeah, it's how weird. Am I sitting. Like, yeah, and then exactly. you, you know, I gotta dress nice. Yeah, semi nice. You know, gotta brush your hair and all. Brush that my stuff. hair, and yeah. I said brushing my hair is a feat. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I will say though that um, that's a that's a huge milestone. Congratulations on five hundred. Yeah, mean, that's uh, that's a lot. Can't believe it, dude. I remember, of and not far from here, where the podcast was inspired of a good buddy of mine Blake Dillard and after we had dropped five episodes and I was we were so proud of him mm-hmm. and uh, we would look at the numbers and you know we're racking it like right at 100 downloads an episode and I was like I don't know if that's good or bad and then you get on these websites or blogs and it's like what is a failing podcast what is a good podcast and it's like if if you've been doing it for a month and you're not hitting so-and-so numbers, you might as well quit. And I was like, well, I, ain't, I got the dog in me. I'm not ready to quit. But, like, turns out I was above, like, the number that you were looking yeah. for. But, you know, Blake posed a question. He's like, what are you going to do when that number is, like, thousands, tens of thousands? And I was like, we're hitting those numbers now. And, uh, like, looking back over a five-year period, it's like, it's crazy just seeing that development. Kind of the steady rise of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of just the... Uh, and also, ascension, I guess. and also it being like the uh, the tide that brings all the ships up, and like yeah. we've, I mean, and I'm happy about it. It's cultivated an inspiration just in this community, like uh, the Man Up Podcast, Midwife Crisis, the County Line. Uh, there are other podcasts in this area that you can listen to that were inspired just through Porch Talk, and they allowed me to come on their show and I'm happy about that you know and it's like we gotta we're starting a network and yeah. so like having y'all on the day is you know I don't know if you're interested in that network oh, style but like I, I think I think that's what it's about exactly 1, I mean I'm all about community and sticking together yeah and and when you think about like podcasts I like 
think about mainstream media, MSM, like they lost, in my opinion, they lost all their credibility uh, over the past few years, especially when it came over the pandemic. And, you know, we have a lot of independent journalism and even podcasts. And like you can listen to someone in your area giving a hot perspective of what actually is going on. And you'd be like, you know, what I saw on the news, that ain't right. What I heard on this podcast is the correct feeling mm-hmm. and so like we're in a space now to where if we build this network it's like this could be like uh this community's voice exactly you know what i mean exactly you know people there are people that you know knock on other people who get their news from podcasts but and i will never understand that because podcasts will get the actual perspective of let's say this senator you know uh-huh. this person who's actually you know he he's sitting down you know being himself talking about the issues rather than putting on this face for a big news network and that's way more telling than something you could see on CNN or Fox or anything like that exactly it's not something that is you got 30 seconds to explain your position which has to mm-hmm. would if you wanted to develop the idea, you need five to fifteen minutes to exactly. fully fo- like on exactly. a podcast. You got a long forum to where you can build your idea and flesh it out, and people can be oh, okay, I see. Yeah. I think the credibility of of hearing a perspective from someone you you've met, you've shaken hands with, you've sat down, ate lunch with, or whatever is is powerful too. Just mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody that, like you said, you see on MSNBC or something like that, and yeah. somebody that you actually uh, have kind of a connection with so yeah so let's uh, let's dig a little bit more into uh, the content of Nat uh, dads of the night table like what uh what do y'all specifically deal with is there is there is there content y'all hit on every time or is it just depend on who's on with you like what does it look like a little bit of both yeah it's every podcast we do at some point is going to contain some some music talk and in some way, it's going to contain something that we did recently, whether it's mm-hmm. be went, trying a new restaurant or oh, yeah. you know, just something little, you know. Yeah. But we, we always talk a little bit about, you know, new experiences that we've yeah. had. We, um, we try to keep up, up to date with news and, uh, news and music, um, you know, new releases, talk about them, we listen to them, talk about what we think, uh, kind of recap it, hey, what 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 were some highlight songs from this new record? What do you think about that new single? Um, yeah. This band's getting back together. And right now is a huge uh, time for that. There's just there's a lot really of stuff going on. Really reminded me of early days of Porch Talk, dude. That's that's how the content for uh, Porch Talk started. Really? I mean, that's what it was all about. I remember when we first started, that was when Greta Van Fleet uh, first, first yeah. came out. And like we covered them in ad nauseum. And it was kind of weird, like hearing my perspective of that band shape up. Cause at first I was there for it, and then as I saw the fan base come into it, it was almost a Nickelback experience. To where Just exactly. they they ruined it for me. Yeah. And the band themselves, they seem like cool guys, and their music has developed to be way better than it was. Turns out, like, I, and I'll tell you, we've we've got this story on the podcast. Go back to the first time Early James and the latest were on the show, but they were at a Hollywood party together with Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. And they're young guys, right? Mm-hmm. And so they thought it would be funny at this Hollywood party to just moon people. 
And so they got kicked out of that party, which they thought was funny too. Right, and like, Fleet did? Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, these stories and more stories uh, on this show have surfaced of like people hanging out with them in like private events like that. And it's like, golly, these, they're kids. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they literally are. They, yeah. I mean, they're yeah, probably, they're, they're in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. Maybe the oldest one is 24, 25 at this point. Maybe. A big topic, something we talked about on the last podcast a little bit is uh are you familiar with the band rival sons yeah They're one of my favorite huge modern huge, rock bands. huge fan oh yeah i think their singer is one of the like jay buchanan i think he's one of the best of the past decade but they were opening for greta van fleet and you know a lot of rival sons fans were like i don't understand this they've been around for a decade and their drummer um he said well i mean it's just no there's just no hiding that greta they pull more numbers than us you know, we don't do stadium shows, and uh, they're young, good-looking guys who started when they were teens. That's what I was about to say. There's a sex appeal. Yeah. It's like uh, I, I recently did this to uh, Queens of the Stone Age. I've, yeah. s- I've seen them live twice. Josh Homie. I want to see them so bad. Man. Uh, and when you go to a Queens of the Stone Age show, there is a sexual energy, and there also is a surplus. Like yeah. We're talking 60 to 80% of the crowd is going to be just hot females. Really? See, that I did not know. And so, like, he is some kind of a sexual icon. The same with what I would imagine, like, Led Zeppelin with Robert Plant is with Greta Van Fleet today. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, look at the clothes that the, the cats from Greta Van Fleet wear. You know, it's yeah, it's, it's very sex appeal. Uh, very very exactly. much so. And it's, it's one of those things where you have... And I don't agree with gatekeeping, but I said on our last podcast, I understand it. Because you have these teenage girls, girls in their early 20s, who have never even really listened to a rock band and are only listening to Greta Van Fleet, Mm -hmm. and they don't really understand show etiquette. They don't respect certain, you know, codes of what you say, what you don't say in the rock and roll world, I guess, because... You know, because of what that drummer said about them being more popular because of sex appeal, these young women tried to like fabricate a beef between yeah, like the two bands. Manifest a rivalry or something like that. Oh, so. so there there was a fabrication of beef between the yeah because they said that and they were you know people taking videos of their performances, Rival Sons opening, saying, "Boar, I wish they'd you know be be done with already and just all." Just, you know, annoying shit that shouldn't be in the rock and roll world. Agreed, but, like, at the same time, like, Rival Sons opening for Greta Van Fleet, that doesn't really make a whole lot of no, sense to me in the first place. Because they're not, you know, I've, they're definitely not as big, but they're big enough to where I don't think they should be an opener. I like, get somebody like Dirty well, Honey well, to open. Not, e- not even, like, Rival Sons should be an opener. Just, like, when I think about... And I'm thinking about this from like a perspective of like like porch fest when I'm when I'm building up a lineup for porch fest mm-hmm. and like when I'm laying everything out like I want everything to be homogenous. Mm-hmm. I do want to bring in like different genres and different tastes for people, but when I stack them like I want to stack everything as it should be. Yeah. Rival Sons with Greta Van Fleet really doesn't make sense to me in because. a rock and roll kind of thing. It's it's although it's both rock and roll. I don't think the two belong together. Yeah, I agree, because, I mean, you know, while Rival Sons has had Zeppelin comparisons as well, they have more of almost a garage rock sound to me. Yes. And another thing is, like, obviously, 
Greta Van Fleet has a higher level of popularity, but it's kind of one of those things, I guess, that you look at how long Rival Sons has, has been around. They're tried and true. They're tried and true, and so, you know, like you said, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to open. You know, they should be headlining, it, even if it's a smaller venue, mm -hmm. they should be a headliner rather than maybe an opener at a bigger arena for Greta Van Fleet. Illusion of Grandeur has helped a lot of bands. They could have done like a co-headlining thing. Rival Sons takes one night, Greta takes the other night. And people think, because there's been a lot of bands that have done that, and then this band, people think they're bigger than they are, and then they get more views and more listens. Illusion of grandeur. I like the way that you put that. Yeah. That's it's something so my, true. That's something my, uh, you know, my uh, dad had a friend. Do uh, you know who Ian Evans is? I've heard the name. He was from Mississippi. He mm -hmm. played bass in Skinner. From Columbus. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, Shout out. My dad yeah. said that was his thing, was uh, fake it till you make it. And he yeah. made it. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh, it's something that I think we all should like take up. Like, uh, if, if you want that ham, go ahead and put that ham on, so to speak. He said he'd but go I, as far as to, you know, build fake Marshall amp cabinets. Like, he'd have, like, this little amp, mm -hmm. but he'd have these fake cabinets make them look like, you know, yeah. total rock star. Big yeah. deal. Totally. And I'll tell you this, like, my favorite band, Band of Forces, uh, this has been years ago now. I've seen them live four times. And uh, this was the, I think the last time I saw them live at the Tuscaloosa Amphitheater. They were opening for the Avett Brothers. Okay. I'm a huge, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of both. Uh, but this was the first time, in my experience, where the opener outshined the person they were opening for. That's something and, I've never seen. Personally. And and that is nothing against Avett Brothers. They played a good show, but it was like just mm -hmm. band of horses that night. And it may not have been that way for the entire tour, but buddy, they were sending it. Yeah. yeah. But Avid Brothers did too. But it was just, it was, it was just something about that night. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, every night's gonna be different. Yeah. I love that venue, though. I do too. I saw, I saw Soundgarden there a week before Chris died. I had tickets to that show and I didn't go, and that's one of my biggest regrets. Wow. So many people tell me that because that was. Uh, I mean, obviously, one of the last chances to see Chris Cornell mm -hmm. alive and live, and uh, I don't, I don't remember what held me back from going that night. So many people tell me that, and I'm like, man, I, I hate y'all didn't get to go. It was a great show. I thought he sounded better than he ever had. He's, uh, he's one of my biggest influences. Like, Mine I like, too. I like Audio Slave. I like Soundgarden, uh, Temple of the Dog, but I also like, uh, like my one of my favorite albums of all time is. Uh, the Higher Truth. I love The Higher it's, Truth. And that's his solo album. And uh, a lot of people, I believe, have downplayed the skill that he has on the guitar. Oh, I And agree. Higher Truth truly displays that. Like, try to play any song off that exactly. album. Exactly. I've tried to learn quite a few. Um, I tried to learn... Uh... This episode of Porch Talk is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Caldera Lab. If you go to calderalab.com slash porch uh, at checkout you can use promo code porch and save 20% off your total purchase order a little bit about caldera lab it was clinically tested to work on dry normal and oily skin nine out of ten men who tried this product continue to do so and they could tell a difference uh, with their skin uh, there's an improvement in the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, elasticity, dark spots, skin tone, and more. It really helped me out with the crow's feet and the wrinkles on my forehead. I have been using 
the good for about a week now, and they also uh, sent me the clean slate icon and the base layer. And uh, I've never really been into skincare products. I was excited to give Caldera Lab a shot, and I'm glad I did. And so as you get a little bit older like myself, um, maybe you would like to give these skincare products a try for your face. And maybe you'll tell a difference just like I am. Uh, I'm 32, but I'm currently looking about 23. So uh, look out for me. Once again, if you go to calderalab.com slash porch, use promo code porch, and you'll save 20% off of your purchase order. Back to the show. What was the one? Um, Let Your Eyes Wander. Yeah. That little finger picking. It was very, like, I mean, and all the ones I've tried to learn, he was a great finger picker, which is something I still have a lot of trouble with. I threw my picks away just for that reason. I can't throw my picks away. I do too much Eddie Van Halen shreddy (laughs) stuff for that. (laughs) Yeah. So just a a little background. Um, I'm not as familiar with Colton as I am with Cameron, but Mm -hmm. uh, I do have a lot of respect. It's wild you bring Chris Cornell up. Uh, I always love it when uh, Cameron can make it out to our open mics at Munson Brothers. Uh, I always love to hear him sing and play man uh so shout out to you man i hope I to appreciate uh, that, man. hope to see you i know work has you tied up but I, I always love it when you make it out brother i mean i love coming it's I, I just love coming there period but you know coming there and you know sharing music it feels like you know it's just such a nice little community yeah in that area and we're building it up and then Colton, sure. shout out to you it's like um man i've since I've met you and known you, I've, I've considered you to just to be uh, just an absolute fan and supporter of like the arts in yeah. that regard. Yeah, that's thank you, man. I I I couldn't I couldn't play one note on, on the guitar, and I could you know, but uh, I love music and uh, really appreciative. I got you know friends that that are talented. I can I love coming to those up open mics and things like that. Porch Fest was. Uh, awesome time. It was a Very fun. great memory, really. We had a great time at that. But yeah, I love uh, love music, and I love to see um, love to see kind of the the rise of it, kind of locally. Um, and honestly, I, we brainstormed me and Cameron wanting to do kind of something similar to that right here on the porch. Go for it. Bring you know, yeah. bring some guys that, out. Uh, I mean, that was the fourth or fifth. Uh, I lose count because, like, the first one we did wasn't called Porch Fest. Mm-hmm. The, like, Porch Fest was started, um, which y'all probably met them. They were, they've been to every one. Uh, they were originally from South Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we met through the NPR Tiny Desk Concert Series. Really? And uh, we both entered the same year. And I didn't enter to win, uh, I entered to meet people. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you enter into that concert series, you get thrown into this Facebook group with everyone that has a Facebook who entered that. And so you were literally introduced to hundreds of thousands of musicians from all over the country. And I just made a little post in that Facebook group saying, Hey, my name's Alan Aldrich. Uh, here's my video. And I did like a little dumb comedy video for my entry. Like I played on my friend's black back porch at night and there were bullfrogs and <laughs> cicadas. And I was like, 
Uh, this is my song. Um, so I remember what song I played for it. Um, maybe Break It All, I don't remember at the time. Melancholy, I played Melancholy. Okay. And um, I was like, I brought my band, the Bullfrogs and Cicadas. <laughs> and uh, that was that big gr hitch in that group. They were all laughing about that. It's like, does this guy travel the country with bullfrogs and cicadas? And I was like, I will. <laughs> I'll do it right now. <laughs> I'll get a suitcase full. But uh, yeah, but I, I met the Stiff Tones through that, and they tr and they notoriously uh, travel the country in a hearse. Very cool. Playing songs, playing playing their music, yeah. and so when they told me that they were going to come to. They wanted to come to my house after they had been on the podcast. I was like, I'll do you one better. I'll invite some of my music buddies, and i got a great back porch, and we'll throw a porch fest. And, like, we'll, I'll invite whoever wants to come, and uh, we'll just throw it down. Awesome. And that led, at, in the middle of nowhere, at Kennedy, Alabama. <laughs> um, the next year, I had food trucks come out. And we had bigger acts, and then the next year we had food trucks come out again. Instead of one, we had two, and we had bigger acts come out. And then now we're at Monson's, and like possibilities are really endless with that. Now that we're in the city, and it's easy, yeah, easily accessible. You got a whole beer garden, and everything. we got it, yeah. We, and we got a nice venue to do it, and so like it's it's been great to see that growth and Forge can continue to succeed. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just something like it's seeing a need in the community, and like hitting striking the iron where it's hot and people still talk about it today and i'm so thankful for that like they're excited about the next one i am too it was very fun and I, you know i got to meet a lot of cool people yeah and well, i hope to continue to do that and so like half the mission statement is is like yeah i want to bring in like local musicians for the simple cause of i'm bringing in musicians from all over the country and I want them to network and meet each other, and maybe they can trade contacts. And maybe next thing you know, Cameron, like you play music, maybe you find yourself playing in Illinois. You know what I mean? Maybe so. You know. And it, it's simply because you made that connection. You know what I mean? And and that that is my big spill on like music, and the community is like there's levels to everything. Mm -hmm. So people at the bottom they tend to compete. People at the top cooperate. Why don't we get to smart to the game and start cooperating ourselves? I agree. There's no point. I mean, look at like the the scene in Seattle in the '90s. You know, they were they weren't really competing with each other. They were all buddies. You know, mm -hmm. just trying to make it. And that's one of the most that's one of the most prominent scenes in music I can think of. And it's wild to me today that Pearl Jam fans and Nirvana fans beef still to this day. Yeah. When Eddie Vedder and they were all tight. But it's it's so wild. Like when you meet a Pearl Jam fan, they're like F Nirvana, and vice versa. It's like you do understand that they liked each other. <laughs> it's kind of similar to what we were just talking about a minute ago with yeah. with, with, the, with rival sons and Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, it's like these guys are these are grown men. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care about beef, and they're trying to make music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they, they don't care. Same same thing with the the grunge guys, which I hate to even call it grunge because I mean it's just rock and roll. That's all it was. You know, yeah. Um, but same with them. I mean, the only one that like actively starts beef is Billy Corgan. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why and, he does that. Well, I think I have, uh, and see if y'all accept this or not. But I think I I have a little window into the so as to why. Mm -hmm. uh, 
What did he do after he made a lot of money off Smashing Pumpkins? What was it that he did? What did he buy? What did he buy? I'm actually not sure. Wrestling. Really? He bought his own wrestling league. That mm. I think it was the ECW. I had no ECW. idea about that. And so, like, when you think about like a heel and a good guy and all that, so everything that he did in music, like, and as much as he is in the wrestling, maybe that was his approach. Just to be the heel. Yeah. I could see that because wow. I, I know somebody who's met him and said he was a super nice guy. Like in person, like I've seen like the random, like him being at a mall and someone just handing him a guitar and he'd be like, yeah, I'll play it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, when he's, you know, talking about other artists, he's like, yeah, they were all right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. They were all right. Yeah, he, he was always real pretentious when it came mm-hmm. to that. But dude, like, I'll be honest with you, Smashing Pumpkins was uh, in Acid Silver Line pickups. What were oh, they, I love what, Silver Line. What were they accused of? Still in the Billy Corgan chord. Like if you think about what was their big son, uh, big song, uh, was it Panic Switch or not? Panic Switch was their second biggest one. What was their other big? The other I know was, what you're, I've been about. waiting, I've been waiting on this moment all my life. I know what you're talking about. That song, that was like straight out of a textbook of what. Oh yeah, Billy Corgan. I mean, that sounded like something right off of Siamese Dream. Yeah. And so a lot of people would accuse of, I wish I could think of the name of that song, but a lot of people would accuse uh, Silver Sun Pickups as like, man, y'all are just a Smashing Pumpkin cover band. They were more than that. But it's just their biggest song. Yeah, but their biggest song just happened to sound an awful lot like a Smashing Pumpkin song. Man, I, I'm so like half and half with Smashing Pumpkins because some of them, Billy Corgan's a great songwriter despite what he does. But like on some songs, his song, his, his like his voice is beautiful. But on other songs, I'm like, this is the most god awful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's, he either has that little ah, or, ah. Yeah. I thought you just nailed both. By the way, <laughs> thank you. He does really crazy voice impressions, whether it be singing or Family Guy. It's unreal. I try with Family Guy, not the best. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah, it's unreal. Sometimes I can hit an impression, sometimes I can't. So, like, I, I just either lean full into it or don't do it at all. <laughs> Today is going to be a don't do it at all. <laughs> sometimes I, the one I can usually always do is, hey, Peter. But, like, everybody else, I might can do one line and then that's it. <laughs> all right. So, they say uh, that I've, who was the main writer for. Uh, family Guy. Seth MacFarlane. He was uh, he was supposed to be on the flight on nine eleven that went into the first trade. I heard that center building. Man, that's wild, isn't it? So, like, what voice do you think he could have done to make it to where that plane didn't fly in there? To get a little conspiratorial, did it even fly in there? But uh, I think what, it, I think he would go, "Hey, Peter." <laughs> hey, Peter. <laughs> he doesn't do that voice. I forget. <laughs> He does. Oh gosh! What does he do? He, he does, does a son. Oh gosh! Oh dad! <laughs> yeah, that, that probably would have been it. Oh dad! Jihad, baby! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love Seth MacFarlane though. Yeah. Have you heard that album that he did where it was fully jazz? Like he did Sinatra covers and I have not. It's insane. Like, I don't understand. Um, he did an album like that, and recently, uh, Mark Tremonti, the guitar player for Creed and Alter Bridge, mm-hmm. he did an album where he sings Sinatra covers with like Sinatra's last touring band, and he killed it. That's nice. 
strange, man. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Take five. <laughs> so, uh, have you guys ever heard Mark Wahlberg talking about the flight to 9-11? Nope. Tell me more. So, to 9-11, like it was a place. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he was supposed to be on that flight. And he was just like, if I was on the plane, that wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have let that happen. Like, Mark Wahlberg, you're not a pilot. You're an actor. You were in TED. What would he have done to prevent <laughs> well, that? Ain't it, ain't it kind of crazy? Like, these celebrities, like, the are what, what place are you coming from? To be like, dude, I... Is it ego brain? It's like I I could have I could have put a stop to this guy. How big, how, how big is your head that you think I could, you could I, stop I could, that? I, I could definitely. I mean, he seems like the type of person I could see The Rock saying that too. Oh yeah, dude. I would have prevented it, you know. Yeah. And Mark Wahlberg's yeah. just like, you gotta get out of the, the passenger's uh, side, man. <laughs> but it, it is interesting how like, you know. Like you were talking about Seth MacFarlane, how, you said he was supposed to be on yeah on the flight yeah. <laughs> so how did what did he get sick or something or redirected or something? I don't know the details, but he was supposedly supposed to have been on that flight out of Philadelphia. Maybe somewhere in the multiverse, he shows up and Seth MacFarlane and Mark Wahlberg team up to turn the plane around. <laughs> that's that's an interesting theory. Perhaps 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 <laughs> there's a world where they're like they have medals of valor. Yeah, I don't know. Dude. Like I think ever since, and by the way, I think it's it's gone completely uh, to dog crap. But with the Marvel universe, since they started doing like that multiverse, like when was the last Marvel film that you y'all were actually like in? Are y'all are y'all movie? Uh, yeah, movie I'm watchers? a totally into, total movie fan. He's more, he's more no, I'm more I'm into Marvel a little bit. He's, you know more about it than I do, but. I there hasn't been one I've been extremely excited about for a while. After, uh, I, and I, like, I, I go, wasn't go I wasn't particularly excited about this one, but uh, the the latest Doctor Strange one. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it was okay. That's all it was. It was, a, but what happened, man? I was excited for the multiverse stuff because the Spider Man No Way Home movie. It that was pretty. Yeah. I don't want to say incredible, but. To me, it was. I mean, as somebody who grew up on the the Toby movies, and that you know, I've just seen, been full of Spider Man. It was it was life. good to see Toby, Andrew, and Tom all in the same. Willem like, Dafoe gave his best performance as Goblin. That shout out. That probably was the best. That 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 was a that was a good movie, and I think that is the critique of Disney that I have is. Especially when it comes to these live actions that I mm-hmm. believe shouldn't even exist. Oh, the live action like adaptations of the old fairy tales and stuff. That yeah, yeah, should, yeah, shouldn't, I, I shouldn't exist. Especially like with the Lion King. It's, it's dealing. Yeah, it's it's you're you're playing with nostalgia. Exactly. And I've heard a friend of mine. And I don't disagree with this. He's like, do you think that nostalgia is 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 the opium? of a 90s kid and I was like absolutely it is sometimes it works I think No Way Home was the best example of playing with nostalgia but it worked it worked and it, it, it was and it was good it, it was good I mean not only it wasn't just a I'll bunch be honest of, with you, dude I teared up a little bit there at the end I did I mean it wasn't just you know a bunch of cameos for fan service there was actually a really good storyline for Tom Holland's mm-hmm. Peter Parker and the other two Peter's as well as these villains. I mean, him wanting to save the villains, because when you think about it, almost every Spider-Man villain is a sympathetic character. 
that the, you know doc ock doc ock very sympathetic sandman yeah all of them like the reason they're bad they're, they're not technically bad they're just trying to get back something that was taken from them exactly and i think i think that was beautiful and i i, I it made me more excited for what marvel had going forward and then just plummeted Immediately, Shane Chi was really good too. I don't know if you saw that. That came right before. I didn't bother with it, dude. You should, because I didn't know anything about him. But it was a really just emotional story about family at its core. And when it gets into the more fantastical elements, it felt like a Studio Ghibli film in live action. It was my, really cool, actually. Dude, like if you walked into our apartment, like uh, my roommate, dude, he is a Marvel fanatic, and mm-hmm. so like you go in the bathroom, and like I did tell him to to do it this way, but like. There's Marvel and DC. I'm more of a DC guy. I love both, but I do love DC. Although I will say, like, we could we could walk through the DC films. Most of them have been absolute trash. To be fair, though, and I'm very excited for this. I'm excited for this more than I am any current Marvel movie they've announced. James Gunn, who directed Guardians of the Galaxy, The Suicide Squad. He's never made a bad film. He's completely rebooting DC. That is something to look forward to. And and I think that's the thing about DC. Do you believe, this is my thought, I think that DC feels like they have to catch up. Mm-hmm. Like they have, they're, they're, playing, they're playing in fast forward. It'd be like, take your time, develop the characters, write a good story. And that's the thing about comic book films is I don't understand. You already have the script. So much source yeah. material. You just have to borrow from different to yeah. make sure that you know, no, you're not just reading a comic over on the mm-hmm. big screen you can borrow from different comics mm-hmm. and there's the possibilities are endless and um you know something i'm excited for that james gunn said is he wants to build that universe give more creative film give more creative um opportunities to the directors which is something marvel doesn't do yeah, that's true like every marvel movie kind of looks the same mm-hmm. has the same type of script same type of humor yeah with the dc he's talking about you know and i with with the marvel films and you know a lot of people say the inception it was the i think 2005 hulk edward norton but i thought the inception was the 2007 iron man iron man definitely had to be uh, but when you go back they 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 clearly say like the beginning point was the hulk I don't agree with that. I agree with the Iron Man. Well, see, I think Hulk Hulk came after. Because I remember in the Hulk after credit scene, Tony Stark shows up and he's like, I'm trying to put a team together. Yeah. I think they came out the same year, if I'm not wrong. Maybe I'm I'm off on my years, but it was around 2005, 2007. 2007, 2008, something like that. Something of that nature. But uh, to this day, I think Iron Man 1 is my favorite Marvel film. Yeah. I mean, there's... I love the first Iron Man and the 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 Avengers like the the end game and all that was dog crap. I'm not gonna lie, I enjoyed it. Did you? I like, you know, I liked Infinity. I like all the Avengers movies. I like that whole most of that era up until like people have talked about post End Game being like the end of an era when stuff started getting shitty. And I sure. have to agree with that um, because. I mean, I love their version of Captain America. I love that he's okay. he's for what America's supposed to be, not what it is. He doesn't take orders. You know, he doesn't... I, I, I think that's very cool. And just little moments like when he lifted Thor's hammer. That was, that was badass. All right, let me, let, me, let me juxtapose these two positions. Uh, mm-hmm. Captain America, who was scrawny and wanted to give all he could for his country, 
versus Captain Marvel, who I would say is actually a villain. Oh, I hate Captain Marvel. And it's not for the, the first scene. Like, you should smile more, and then she steals the guy's bike. Yeah. <laughs> and this is supposed to be this, like, big call or big film for feminism. It's like, so feminism is about being a bully? Yeah, like, Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman, one of the best DC films, it did it right. That was a good one. It did it right. Captain Marvel, it just, and it's not, people blame Brie Larson. I feel like it's not even her fault. I love her and Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, Shout out to that. I don't yeah. even I don't even think about her for that. She she's really good in that. I think she's a good actress as a whole. Um I just don't know if I buy her as that figure. Like I would like somebody like Charlie Theron or okay. I don't that's another thing. I don't know why they can't cast older women in these roles. When they when they cast forty to fifty year old men as Tony and Bruce Banner and that's a good point. Yeah. Like Charlie Theron is still beautiful. Very I just don't much. buy Brie Larson as this assertive badass. You know, and that's not, not not knocking her. Yeah, like a uh, Kate Beckinsale, dog. Somebody like that, you know. Yeah, she did a, a a film that a lot of people crap on that I thought was really well was that Van Helsing. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, yeah. Like my dad is my dad's an older man. You know, he didn't have me till he was in his forties, and uh, he brought me up on the black and white Frankenstein and Dracula and the Wolfman. So seeing Van Helsing, it was like all of these mashed in. It was so cool. It was a great film, and I, like, and a lot of people, even as of today, like crap on it. It's like, what? What? Why. How would you take it? What was wrong with it? The effects look great for the time too. Yeah, that's a lot of. It's, early it still holds movies. up. I recently rewatched both of the Ron Perlman Hellboy movies. They still hold up. Still hold up, and they look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know, there's. You know, you have the VFX artists going on strike right now, and as they should, because when given time, I mean, there's movies in the early 2000s okay, that look Okay, this bad. brings up AI. Are they, are they going to be needed? Yeah, they should man, be. That's you, scary. I, I heard something a couple months ago about Elon Musk trying to contribute to halting development on AI, and I'm like, yes, at some point, innovation needs to stop when it's taking jobs from people. Especially, Leave it alone. Especially art, man. Yeah. Especially especially art what is it about art in y'all's opinion of that AI needs to stay out of why all of it I mean you can see even without AI you can watch a movie and it feels like there's certain films that just feel so corporate and feel devoid of humanity and people see that and you said the key word humanity exactly they feel void of it you know and, and when you have, um, especially with songwriting, man, it's I, I want to hear, a, I want to hear real people writing about real things. You know, I want to, I want to hear real people playing real instruments and um, making stuff from the heart. You know, it. Uh, I don't know. It's it's scary. It's what's scary to me is is when you get to a point that. AI is so advanced that you can't tell the difference. I don't think that's ever going to come because as advanced as it gets, all it can really do is, is take, emulate. emulate, take from previously done yeah. ideas, which is something that we already complain about. Everybody complains about Hollywood being unoriginal music. If it comes to a point where AI takes over, I just think everything's going to dwindle. Nobody's going to want to listen to music nobody's going to want to see movies and it's going to bite them in I the think, ass more than they think it will from that i don't i don't know uh like when i think about the top billboard 100s 
those people I mean those people will always be there to listen to whatever but there's always going to be true musicians that want to listen to real it, music I think it could have the opposite effect in that it drives people back into a pure pure music and what did y'all make of Oliver Anthony I was just about to I like most of it I look you know as somebody that grew up poor and was on food stamps and knew a lot of other families that were that one line is kind of like you had me and you lost me I get what he was trying to say but I feel like he could have said it differently but I don't think he was ill-intentioned you thought he was punching down I just feel like you know of all the problems going on in this country currently somebody because for one health food is freaking expensive a lot of people who are on food stamps can't afford it um so somebody buying like a little snack with their EBT card, I think, is one of the should be the least of your concern. Uh, overall, I, um, like from but from like what you're talking about from an art standpoint, I think it's uh, I think it's huge that that he has been able to blow up like this. You know how it happened? How's that? Uh, Jack Posobiec. You familiar with him? No, sir. I'm not either. He's uh, and that's why that's why the entire thing was political. Um, that song, if I'm not mistaken, was it's a year old, really, and somehow surfaced. And Jack Posobiec, he uh, he's over, he's with Charlie Kirk at uh, Human Events, yeah, in Turning Point USA, and then he's also with the Post Millennial with uh, Libby Emmons, and so these are independent journalism. Mm-hmm. Which uh, everything that doesn't agree with the left is now right wing. So I, I don't know if I would consider like Post Millennial to be right wing, but Turning Point with Charlie Kirk definitely right wing. Yeah, uh, Human Events definitely right wing. But Jack Posobiec shared that on his Twitter, and that is what led to that Oliver Anthony. Be cultivating millions of views. That may yeah. be why he's not wanting to take these record contracts because just because he said that one little line in a song, well, that was that was the resonance that I that I felt. And when I was, you know, and that was when the whole thing became political. And then when you hear, and by the way, his name is like Chris. It's not Oliver Anthony was his grandfather. Yeah, which I, I, see that. Which I thought yeah. was very interesting for him to do. Uh, but. Of uh, to see social media pick it up, and just because right wing people liked it, left wing or left leaning people hated on it. Yeah, was thing, ridiculous. Which, which I will say, you take out that one line about the fudge rounds in the song, left leaning people wouldn't hate it. The thing about it is the, for the and, first, I, and I hate that for the first. It's, it's so close to being this perfect. It's so close to being perfect for the first. Week and a half, two weeks. The common consensus I saw was, "Hey, this is the song that's going to bring everyone together." It was. I mean, I saw black, yeah. white. Yeah. You know, everybody. Everybody was like doing their own reaction videos, and I saw some people like cry and tear up, and it was like, "This is really resonating with the nation." It's like yeah. this guy who is suffering from mental illness, who like is forced out of his job of coal mining, which was another line which was controversial. Yeah. And I thought the approach to that line was interesting. I agree like, with that. Uh, like, instead of being concerned about these miners mining for coal, you're more less concerned with the miners being screwed by whomever on some island. Yeah. I, now that and I was like, hey, that's punching up, baby. Yeah, Let's go. I, I'm with that line. That's what we yeah. need, you know. I, and I don't think... 
honestly, that would have always been a little controversial, but I don't think that would have been as controversial as but the other line in the song. Yeah. Because mo most people, that there's a couple people that are just insane, but most people can agree that you don't mess with little kids. Uh, I think 90%. Yeah, 90%. Any, any, like, the only person that doesn't agree is someone who messes with kids. Yeah, and, mo <laughs> and most of them keep their mouth shut. Anybody yeah. that takes offense to that line... You're telling you on gotta, yourself. You got a question now because they're, they're, it's not a conspiracy theory. There were kids on that island. Yeah, that's not a doubt. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I with him with the with the that last verse of the song, um, there there were other things he probably could have taken yes a stance on, but, um, but at that time he's literally nobody, and like yeah exactly on his on his own confession mm -hmm. he was someone who had lost his job, who was suffering from mental illness. And you can even tell, like, he's standing on a wood line with a condenser mic just like what we're recording on and just belting and being incredibly emotional about yeah. about his song. I think And, overall, like, it had no right to be political. No. Exactly. And, I mean, it, it was just for the people, by the people, is what it was. And he didn't, and he was, he didn't, he wasn't trying to... Gain a record deal, obviously, out of it or anything like that. But he just—that's what things took off. Making art, you know. I say, and and more like on the insides of that, uh, he was offered record deals. Yeah. Now think about this. If beforehand they knew about him, don't you think that a song like that would have been shelved? It either would have been shelved, or it would have been, it would have been, you know. Change. It would have been manufactured. They would have told him to tweak it. I feel like they. Hundred percent. I feel like it could have been tweaked either way because you know, the the conservative media. Because I, you know, I'm in between. I don't. Really, Best way to be, but exactly. I don't fully support either one, and I feel like the conservative media would have had him add even more controversial lines. Well, and now to you know, and you of course you saw where they fe they feature the song with the GOP debate. He was upset about he that. Was did not you, happy did about you that. did you see his feedback? The, he was like the, 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 the people the people who like Ron DeSantis he specifically called out. He's like, I was actually talking about you, bub. That y'all yeah. y'all talking about this. <laughs> exactly. All the people I was calling out in this song um, was you. Were, were these mm -hmm. yeah? Overall, you know, he could have. My overall opinion, he could have wrote the one line different. But besides that, I think he's a well-intentioned guy. Just from the actions he's taken, like he was that, a man like speaking was out with frustrated guys. And, and I, 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 but here, here's my concern, and like with the video that you you just mentioned, yeah, uh, where he's sitting in his truck and mm -hmm. talking about like the it being on the uh, GOP debate. Uh, he's supposedly is I don't know if like because there's so much satirical memes being made about him. Like, uh, yeah, I saw a few like. He turned down uh, being paid to sing the national anthem for the Super Bowl, and it's like, no, he's not gonna. Yeah, no, I doubt he did that. No, nah, that and it, it's not. He did not. That that was that was false. That wasn't a possibility. Yeah, that's that's not gonna happen for somebody like that. And also, like after that blew up, after Jack Posobiec heard it, Jack Posobiec is uh, tied to Tim Pool. Tim Pool is tied to John Rich. You know who John Rich is? Yeah. You remember John Rich? I've heard the name. I'm, I'm familiar a little bit. Rich, uh, what was that country band? It was a country duo. Big and oh, Rich. Oh, uh, Big and Rich. Yeah. Big and Rich. 
And so, like, he's got his bar, the Redneck Riviera in Nashville. Yeah. And, uh, like, he's been outspoken. He's actually created his own bank. Like, most of the things that John Rich has done, like, although I don't lean to the right, like, I'm kind of a centrist like you, Cameron. Mm. Uh, I agree with the things that he's done because I don't... I don't think things should be political. I think, like, you should just do things yeah and i'm not even opposed to like but i don't know it depends on what you consider political like a lot of people would consider oliver anthony's song political just because he's talking against the man i wouldn't no but a lot of people would just because i looked he's, at it as just you know it showed on my tiktok page that's just as a straightforward working man's anthem yeah you know? and that's what it was yeah in my opinion but like so, John Rich, John Rich reached out to him, and whether he got a eight million dollar deal contract that he turned down, I can't confirm or deny that. Yeah. I would, I would lean toward like calling BS on that. Yeah, yeah. But I do know for a fact that John Rich reached out to him, wanting to work with him, wanting to help him. And so, if like whether whatever political leaning that you are on, if you want to help someone like that, I am particularly for. Just, just, just so that you don't get taken advantage of, because I know so many bands who have signed horrible record deals oh, yeah. that totally killed the creative process and totally like mutilated like the intent of what this band was about, it, and forcing yeah, a lot of people to be indie to where they will never be heard. At that point, Nashville on a national level owns you, and they own that song. At that point, I never want to. What you do if it ever comes to it and I'm offered it, I never want to sign a deal. I mean, it's it's a dead medium. It's a dying, the way that the music industry is should have changed at least five years ago because I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't evolve with the times. Exactly, no. it, it doesn't keep up with it. I mean, you know, what well, at the very least, what but should does happen? it have to, Cameron? It doesn't, it doesn't have to. Nobody cares that like all these indie artists are putting their things on DistroKid and Bandcamp and like making tens of dollars and, and then adding their thing on Spotify and people are streaming it by the thousand and making tens of cents exactly. and then like while everyone else on that top level are raking not what you think even on the top yeah even on the top level it's, it's not even that good then yeah like I mean we had a conversation about this. Artists in general, whether it be actors or musicians, if you're not A-list, you're not making that much money. Yeah. And There's so many like uh, B actors. Snoop Dogg had a big thing about this. If you, did you see that? Tell me uh, more, Cole. He uh, went on a, I don't know if it was a talk show or something, but talking about the streaming platforms and how how is it possible that an artist can have a song with a billion streams but not even make a million dollars off of that. It's ridiculous, and, and, and how some the math isn't adding up when you look at the streaming. The services. math don't math. He went on a big tirade about it and about how mm-hmm. these younger artists are getting basically screwed. Not just younger artists, but like you Older said, older artists, um, people that have a big name like Snoop. Yeah, how their stuff's getting streamed millions, of, you know, millions and millions of hundreds of millions of times with their the income isn't adding up. And so I think that you look at kind of like when you evolve from. Um, records to CDs to for a period of time you had iTunes well you still have iTunes but it's not as big as it was it means a lot though yeah do do you know when you spend a dollar on iTunes you know how much like stream wise that means now this will only put you on a chart it don't equate to dollars but you spend one dollar buying a track such as that uh, Northman 
Richmond, Richmond, North of Richmond, Richmond, North of Richmond, whatever, by Oliver Anthony. If you bought that track for a dollar, that's worth 125 streams. And so, well, okay, that's if let's say 50,000 of us bought it, that would make that song platinum. When I can, I buy it. You know what I mean? It's what the number one song on iTunes, isn't it? Uh, For two weeks now. Yeah. When I can, I buy a CD or a T-shirt, you know, because that's, it's something physical that I can have, and it's going to do, it's like the equivalent to like a thousand streams or something. I read some crazy number. Well, and that number is correct, Cameron. And they're like, you know, like, even like as your podcast gets going, like with uh, the Dads of the Night table. Uh, Talk has shirts. Yeah, and man, y'all sh- y'all should start looking into merch. Yeah. Like I've thought about it. I mean, and like just just think simple things like that. Like someone like and I sh- I keep everything cheap as crap. Like if it costs me fifteen dollars to make, I'm probably gonna sell it for like seventeen. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, cause like I know times are hard. Yeah, I mean, you know, people just can't afford things like they used to. That's why. The streaming services are so ridiculous, whether it be music or, you know, media related, like with movies and TV shows, because at this point you're paying for so many, you might as well have cable. I think back to when I was younger and had, you know, had like an iPod and, you know, Spotify wasn't, it may have existed, but it wasn't what it is today. And, you know, to, if I wanted to have a song and I had to really like that song, you know, for $2, I may have got a gift card or something and so it had to be a song I really like but like you said 125 streams is the equivalent on that when you buy a song for a yeah. dollar or two dollars whatever and so it uh but you know like it evolved I evolved got Spotify and use it it's it's and unfortunately the only way I feel like artists will uh will make more is if Spotify increases the price, which they actually I just increased really it a dollar. I don't even think that. Uh, I mean, to just, eleven dollars now. I looked up how much they make yearly from people that buy premium. They could so easily pay the artists more, and um, they'd still be fine. You know, just like with Hollywood executives, it's ridiculous that people. I think you know something I've been saying since the writer strike is going on. Let's strike Spotify and Apple Music next. You know, there there's absolutely no reason why the people who make these um, platforms what they are shouldn't be making more money. Nobody downloads Spotify or Disney Plus or Netflix because they care about the executives. You know. Well, how do people? ingest your podcast Spotify Spotify yeah (laughs) that's exactly so you're asking people to strike that well what I'm saying is it's not Uh, like is that the only way that you I don't know any other way man is I mean but is there any other way to ingest it are y'all like y'all specifically just upload your podcast through Spotify oh yeah 100% Spotify Mm. which you know I just feel like which me personally with the podcast monetarily I'm good like we we do it for fun man but like with artists I there's just no reason why they they can't pay the artists more I don't understand and you know it would obviously they would have to have a system you know so many streams whatsoever but you know it's a big animal you have to talk about it you know it's a big animal you know it's the equivalent of me 
you know, like a, a small town artist, like I got one song on Spotify and this accumulated like thousands of plays. Mm-hmm. What's that worth? Not to to me nothing because like I don't think about money. I don't either. In that regard, like I'm just glad like people are listening and enjoying it. I mean, that's how I am too. And so, like, I think there's levels to it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just a fairness thing for me, man. I mean, there's no like artists in general. I mean, they're just so commodified. You know, they're. It's just it's crazy to me that the people who make these services what they are are the ones who make the least amount of money. Mm Hmm. You know, I mean, like I said, I don't download Disney Plus because I care about Bob Iger. <laughs> yeah, right. But I don't. You know? I don't. I don't want to live in a world with. I mean, I, I don't want to live in a world without it. I mean, I agree. There's, I don't either. But I just feel like there's a better way they could go about it. There has to be. be figured out. It's, it's uh, It makes life a whole, a whole lot easier. Like when I can listen, go back and listen to our podcast. I can go listen to this new single and queue up porch talk. I can. You know, listen to some County Line and go listen to another song all in one place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the convenience of it. I'm not. I'm not dissing that. It's just you know. I, I thought Apple made a big mistake when they separated music and podcast. We said, we said, we the, said same the same thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, Spotify's the 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 ease of it. The, the I think the user face is, you know, I think they've done a good job with it and. and their analytics are better too. Yeah, I mean the the ease of it 100%. is the ease of it. The way, you know, pretty much my point in terms of all of this is these executives have not caught up with the times because they don't care. They don't they don't care how much the the person that you know helps build upon what this service is making. This episode of Porch Talk is also sponsored by Manscaped. You can go to manscaped.com. And at checkout, use promo code PORCHTALK, all one word, PORCHTALK, all one word. Receive 20% off your total purchase order and get free shipping. Uh, Manscaped sent me the performance package 4.0 that comes with their beard trimmer, uh, the Weed Whacker, which is for those unsightly ear and nose hairs, and then the lawnmower, which is for you downstairs. It also comes with the crop preserver and the crop reviver. Uh, that is for um, it's for your genitalia, there, there, boys. Uh, it'll keep you from uh, if you're ever been in the south in the summer. Uh, you know a little bit about how it feels down there, and those two wonderful products will uh, help you feeling cool and keep you smelling good, so you don't smell like a foot. So. Go to manscaped.com, and if they are the leading company when it comes to men's grooming, they also, the performance package comes with the most comfortable pair of underwear I've ever owned. So if you have never given Manscaped a try, I highly recommend them. You can go to manscaped.com, use Porch Talk as your promo code at checkout, receive 20% off your total purchase order, and uh, man, just look at my beard. If that says anything about them. Should say it all. I got the best beard around. No doubt about it. Now, back to the show. You know, I mean, like, with record deals back in the 70s, you get a big record deal. You may not have the rights to your music, but you'd make money. Why should they, though? Why should the services pay the artists more? 
I mean, these big these big dog executives, if they're making if they're making their bank and everyone is still paying for the service, why should they care? Oh yeah, I mean, you see what I'm saying? They're yeah. not they're not going to care. That's why. Yeah, that's why there's not much you else I mean? to do, and it's a, it's sad. I mean, they're not going to care. They're fine. Yeah, it's it's, it's something worthy of, of of talking about and uh, like sharing ideas on, but like. I don't know if Bob's cares. You know? They're not they're, like, they're look never at, look at look at look at Disney right now, like uh with their film. Uh, the latest uh what's her name? Ziggler, the latest Snow White. Oh yeah, where they're just She she is atrocious when it comes to interviews. Like she is making Nobody's that film gonna see that movie. She's making that film unwatchable just by her interviews. Well see they they took out the dwarf part. And she's part. not even that talented. Yeah, the yeah, the dwarf part and is like dwarf actors are pissed. Yeah, they should be. They were trying to be inclusive because Peter. Do you not think redheaded guys are pissed? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like uh, they took Annie and Little Mermaid from us. Like uh, every big redheaded row is gone now. I'm speaking as a redheaded guy. Like uh, I'm. We are the minority of the planet. I'm not happy. (laughs) Wally West, Mary Jane. Yeah, what's what's up with that? I'm really, it's it's. I I don't know. I'm I'm not happy about it though. Much sense. Or they get an actor that's not a redhead to have red like Woody Harrelson and Venom. Yeah. Why not go get a well, real, you can, real you, redhead? You can cast one. Yeah. yeah. I, I know a few. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, I don't know. Get get, get Cameron not, Monaghan or somebody. Get There's the authentic plenty. thing, man. Get the get the real deal. So. Yeah. But um, going back to kind of what um, what we were talking about earlier. A little bit. I was thinking about with um, with Knights of the Dad Table when we kind of go into music. Um, a lot of times, what we'll do, Cameron, kind of brings to, and not just with the podcast, but just with introducing me to people. He introduces me to a lot of um, rock and roll, and then I kind of do vice versa to him with with country music. Exactly. And we kind of have a little bit of a swap thing going on with that. And let's do a swap right now. I think that's a good walkout for this episode. Okay. So, all right. What are you into? If I, I'll give you four. I'll give you, um, I'll give you four artists that I think kind of define my overall taste. Um, I'm wearing one of them, like you mentioned earlier, and that's Blackberry Smoke. Um, I love the Rival Sons. I love Marcus King, and for number four, I'm gonna throw out Cody Jenks. I think that's a solid list. So I'd kind of throw those four. Just kind of a little bit of not everything, but I've got a. I'm a major fan of southern rock music. I'm a fan of rock and roll. Period. But um, that's, that's your four. What's up? That's your four. That's my four modern day guys that I, if I had to pick four, that this is this is what I like. This is my stuff. That's my four. Right on, dude. Respect. Thank you. Yeah. With modern day guys, it'd have to be a, a different list. But for my four, just over the years, it's my childhood who have influenced me the most up until my teen years and currently. Um, we talked about him earlier. Every Chris Cornell project, I don't discriminate. Any of any of the stuff he did, right there with you, bud. Um, Tom Petty. I think Tom Petty's one of the best songwriter, hook writers of all time. Um, Johnny Cash. 
Johnny Cash is just, you know, would introduce me and a lot of people to country music as a whole. Like, this isn't just, you know, because, you know, coming up, all I heard was Luke Bryan and stuff I just didn't, I couldn't stand. Mm -hmm. And once I heard him, I was like, I get it now. Um, and then Jeff Buckley, probably. There's a, <laughs> why'd you bring up Jeff Buckley? Uh, there's a very true story, probably over 200 episodes back, that was shared about him. Really? Uh, you know his fate? How yeah, he passed? Down in the Mississippi River. Yeah, I actually know a guy that was on this show that was with him the night before he jumped in that river. Really? How about that? Wow. Is there anything that he said that I may otherwise not know? I don't think so. I think it's exactly how you pictured it. That's just where Jeff Buckley was. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know why he thought it was a good idea that why he wanted to do. Uh, I don't know what that swim position is on your back. Backstroke. Why, why he wanted to backstroke the Mississippi that night? I don't know. I wish he didn't, because man, I mean, he would have. He would have soared. I mean, he had like Robert Plant and people like that coming to his shows. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was next level. Yeah. You know, something he brought up, you know, I kind of did want to get into with you today, was he brought up kind of how, and it's similar to me, I, I grew up hearing, I grew up hearing Luke Bryan, I grew up hearing Jason Aldean, and mm -hmm. um, for a long time growing up, I I thought I'd, I just didn't like country music until I, you know, <laughs> dove into it. It's valid. Um, I, thought I, I thought I didn't like it. I, I hate this crap, and I and, and I don't I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to shit on shit on anybody. Somebody for me personally, like this isn't my this isn't my groove, you know. It's but, not your jam. And uh, I don't like jam like honey. <laughs> Kiss it Kiss on, it the, on lips. the lips. But, but, <laughs> Have you uh, seen that Gary Busey interview? Thank you for that. <laughs> but uh, matter uh, matter of fact, second best mugshot versus Donald Trump's new one. It's Gary Busey. Gary Busey. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but. Uh, and I really, that's when I started getting into the, um, I found, I started getting into the old, older cats and then that's when I was like, wait a minute, there's, there's dudes today that are doing this too, that are, Amen. Uh, that are making just as, just as high quality, if not better stuff. And so that's why I brought up my, my four, uh, kind of modern day guys. And if I had to, if I had to throw you four. Um, older older acts I'd go probably with the same direction but I'd go Skinner I'd go Aerosmith Stevie Ray Vaughan and Waylon Jennings but good solid ones. also very valid but yeah I went down that path and I'm glad I did um, so I started going into older outlaw stuff and getting into that and then I started getting into the uh, the newer guys that are kind of I give you do it doing their own thing with that sound. I love that cat. Oh, uh, <laughs> by the way, that's not a baby in distress. But uh, if if I could give you one person that is transformative for possibly thousands of musicians, and he's out of Texas, out of Boston, Steve Earle. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. Please. And everything that Steve Earle is doing right now, he has stepped out of the spotlight 
and he is helping younger musicians and he is doing everything that he should do as like what I believe someone passing on the tour someone that I saw such as a John Prine like John Prine like in his later days not only was still playing shows but was really nice at festivals with other up up and common to pass on the so-called way which is how it should be and so like I'm tired of this gatekeeping you know, I'm tired of it being this way, and like so many people are getting it right right now. If I were to give you four right now of people that you should listen to, Red Clay Strays. Yeah, I'm. I got tickets to see them in Beverly. Start with yes, sir. You should go. Um, I got. I got tickets. Yeah, I think yeah. they'll be there with Taylor Honeycutt. Yes. Uh, uh, I want you to check out um, Taylor Honeycutt, who I just said. Uh, let's just rope that in as one. Uh, you said Marcus King earlier. Amazing. We, we, me and Cam and another Early James in the latest. Uh, I would check out. And y'all kind of shook me with everything that y'all were throwing out because y'all were throwing <laughs> out so many good folks. Rick Lay Strays, Early James in the latest. Uh Let's just stick with those two. I can't. Stick, I can't think of anything else at the moment. I'm a little. Yeah. No, I've been minded. getting into getting into the, the Red Clay Strays lately. Um, but it's the videos I've seen of their live show that I'm really excited. They're to, electric, man. To see. I saw them um, early. I was still mm-hmm. living in Mobile. Like that's where they're from. And uh, a buddy of mine, Cam Lewis, he's a great singer songwriter. He does country. And uh, I was on my way out. I think I only had like a month or two left in Mobile before I was going to move back to North Alabama, Mississippi, or whatever you want to say. And he's, if you're not doing anything, go out to Doherty's on Dolphin Island and go see this these cats called the Red Clay Strays. And, uh, dude, yeah, that was almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. And look where they are now. And so, like, that is what I'll say to uh, maybe bands that are listening to this show is wherever you are right now keep pressing and <laughs> keep doing what you do baby because who knows because the Red Clay Strays have played Red Rocks and Grand Ole Opry over a short period of time and you can too yeah 100% bring him going circling back to what you said about Marcus King um, Cam kind of put me on that on, on him me, Cam, and uh, another buddy of ours, we went back uh, to the Double Decker Festival in Oxford. He was there I saw him live. I saw him live there. That and, was great, man. And it was we we got there early as we could, or probably thirty yards from center stage. Just sound was beautiful. You and met like, him yet? Not yet. Have you? Hmm? I was, heard he's pretty cool. He's supposed to come on the show. Really? You know, like uh, I got a pretty good uh, rapport with. Uh, Dan Arbach and people at Easy Guy. Really? I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Dan's. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping all those things come into fruition. Well, I would love to see that. I'll be the first person to I'll listen be, to it. Uh, you might be the first person I ask to co-host it. I would absolutely love that. <laughs> I'm not going to say no to that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, you might have to miss work. Oh, I'll, I'll tell him. I'm like, yo, I'm not coming. That literally happened yesterday, dude. I had uh, Joe McGowan... Um, 
I was recording at his place Thursday night. Uh-huh. And uh, mid-interview, he comes up and just shows me his phone with someone coming down to his place from Nashville. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I had been following these people for years. And he's like, they're going to be here tomorrow. Do you want to come interview them? And I was like, i got to work tomorrow. But you know what? If they can do it around noon. I'll figure something out. I just might take a two or three hour lunch break. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. sometimes you gotta just uh, when you have opportunity, uh, you know, yeah. you gotta work things around. But yeah, one, one thing I want to tell you is uh, uh, a question: walking out of the door for uh, the nights of the dad table. What are, what are y'all looking to do as y'all continue to step into yeah. what you're doing? Like, are y'all willing to have bands or singer songwriter like? Who are ideal guests? Are y'all open to guests? Like, what does the future look like for y'all? We're definitely open to all of that. Yeah, we're we're open to that. Right now, we're since we're still in you know kind of the baby steps stage, I guess we're trying to get all of our I guess you would say co-hosts on, and then once we get I guess get all of them on at some point, we want to move forward and invite some other people, different singer songwriters, bands, and artists, things of that nature, 100%, 100%. We want to do that. Um, What's your cat's name? Because he's the main star. That's Buddy. That's Buddy in the background. And I'm pretty, you know, we have he's a running every, joke that... He's been in every episode. We have a running joke that we roast his cat. I have. I, I think that's a skinwalker sometimes. I, I want to set him on fire. <laughs> Sorry, Colton. Yeah. I, I look like at his it. face, I'm like, that's a man. And then I it, think he heard me and he shut up. So good. Yeah. I will set you on fire. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. But real quick, you know. Anyway, Colton, back to the video. Go ahead. The, uh, well, we got, we're getting our social media together. We're going to be found on at NOTD Pod on Instagram. Same with TikTok. So we're getting our, our, our uh, content together on Instagram. And so, um, yeah, we're, that's what we want to do. We want to, um, we want to get people locally, local artists, and and things of that nature. Eventually, local and artists, just local people that contribute to the community, yeah, and eventually artists. expand from there. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I'm, it's just you know, it's fun. I'm I'm glad we started doing it. It's that's the main thing about it. It's fun. Yeah, we we enjoy. We don't we we don't feel like we're. Um, we don't feel like it's a hassle when we do it. We we try to just, like I said, just capture what we're already doing. I don't. Yeah. Right yes, on. sir. Well, maybe three more questions to walk out of the door. Okay. I would like to circle back real quick. You know, y'all both listed new artists, kind of, for people to check out. I have four. Um, okay. One is a band from Nashville called Goodbye June. Okay. They're, uh, you know, kind of in the classic rock revival type sound, but, you know, they also bring I folk. like the way you put that, classic rock revival. I mean, that's, you and know. And that, that's probably the truest sense. Yeah, like with bands like, you know, Rival Sons, Greta Van Fleet, you know, it's not a ripoff, but that's definitely what it is. Um, and they're in that same camp, you know, just like Dirty Honey, they're, but I feel like they're one of, like Rival Sons, they're one of the most unique, and they're they're not getting as much recognition as I think they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely check them out. 
there's another band um they're progressive metal they're like they have a horn section they incorporate jazz and pop punk they're called thank you scientist <laughs> thank you thank you for that say it one more time thank you scientist I need to write those guys. I'd like to have them on. They're one of the strangest bands I've heard, but... Where are they out of? Do you know? I really don't know. I I think Georgia. How'd you find them? Um, there's this guy on uh, YouTube. He, uh, Mike the Music Snob, Become the Night. He lives in Nashville. <laughs> and he said that was one of his favorite bands. So I'm like, that's an odd name. I'll check them out. Right on. And, um... They're incredible, and they add all this complex stuff to the music, but still have catchy hooks, yeah. melodies. Um, so, they're phenomenal. Check them out as well. Um, another artist is a. Uh, I'm not sure where the whole band's from, but I'm close with the guitarist Jesse Oates. Um, they're a punk band called A Sunday Fire. Definitely okay. check them out. Um, I think they're Big rooted show. in the Mobile area. Oh yeah, I love that. Jesse lives in Tuscaloosa. You know they're really cool. They're just raw. Love that too. Um, Anything from Alabama, I'm crazy for. Oh yeah, and I gotta rep my boys, you know. And uh, then there's a uh, kind of country folk artist. Colton knows Paul Coffin. Oh I yeah, incredible. And yeah, I you know I haven't heard much buzz about him, but he's like someone I feel like is in the same camp as like Nathaniel Rateliff. That's good. So yeah, check all those guys out if, if y'all get a chance. Steelwoods. Steelwoods. They're like a country band. I yeah, feel like really sending it here in the last minutes. Thank y'all. Forty nine Winchester. Come on. Any more? Oh yeah, we got more. We got yeah. more. Uh dirty you said dirty honey. Dirty honey. Um uh, I know dozens of them, but I'm blanking. Um, I know a lot that it's like Wyatt Flores. Um, if, you, if you're into the Zach Bryan kind of um, sound in country music, um, if you're into soul music, check out um, Black Pumas. Hey, Colors. Colors. Great song. It's good to kick. Fire, another great All song. Right, let's uh, let me ask a few questions. We'll get okay. out of here. Uh, plug the socials and the best way for people to find your podcast. How do they do that? You can find us on Instagram at NOTD Pod, and you can find us on Spotify. Nights of the Dad Table on Spotify. Yes, sir. Yep. Question two is. Uh, we talked about it at the beginning, but just to do it here at the end. What is Knights of the Dad Table about? Knights of the Dad Table is, well, the name Dad Table, we have a group of, um, of gentlemen aged 19 to 24, hmm. and it became an inside joke for whatever reason that um, we, I guess, started referring to ourselves as the dads but we and of us have children <laughs> there's no biological fathers in this in this thing it's just um we kind of i guess we do we kind of carry ourselves i guess kind of like i don't want to say like dads a little bit but we 
we have cookouts we talk about the weather i mean we we just we're, we're very simple <laughs> simple guys you know i mean so we kind of got into doing that and so we were obviously got to the point we wanted to start a podcast we said uh you know what do we want to what do we want to name it cameron came up with the name and I, he said Knights of the Dad Table. He originally had it with a K, kind of like Knights of the Round Table. Uh, I, yeah. And yeah. So. But we kind of, you know, diluted from that. And it's like Knights, as in, you know, sure. not daytime. Kind of like, a, kind of like <laughs> a Talladega Nights kind of I feel that. thought in my head. I, I had a very dad movie. But it's a, but the podcast is about, it's about pop culture. It's about life experiences. It's about. Uh, it's about art. It's about music. It's about it's about us discussing things that we're passionate about. Mm. Last question: What was your favorite part about this episode? Just having somebody new, you know, being asked questions rather than being the host who asked the questions. It's a very different perspective. That was pretty fun. Right on. I think yeah. Like you said, being able to um, have another opportunity to share some of the things we're passionate about, specifically in music, uh, with with a different perspective, um, you know, kind of from the from the perspective, I guess, from the interview subject rather than us doing it ourselves. Um, well, nice the uh, dad table, long live. And I hope for many more episodes. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And uh, let's collaborate. I agree. We should. Let's get the whole podcast community together. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Putting me in your pride
Don't you know Take it slow Don't you know How lucky I Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.